Welcome to The Near Memo, a weekly conversation about search, social, and commerce. What happened, why it matters, and the implications for local. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to episode 136 of The Near Memo. Actually, it's only episode 16. And um, I'm here with Only Mike. 16. I think that's quite an accomplishment. Yes, yeah, Mike, what yes. percentage I'm here with of Mike. podcasts does that put us in now? As long as top top percent. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know, but it's something better than the top 35%. So. Yeah. So, we don't know how uh, many stop at 15. Okay, so there was a lot of news this week. Um, uh, a lot of it coming out of uh, Google I.O., uh, a lot of announcements, and uh, Google opening a store. We're going to be talking about those things. But first, we're going to talk about Mike's very in-depth and interesting look at um, the sort of trajectory of Yelp reviews. So, Mike, why don't you lead us into that? Through my relationship with GatherUp, I'm able to look at review corpuses, both across large segments of businesses, like I did two weeks ago with the Google Review Ascendancy in the restaurant industry, as well as focusing on, and this one focused in on a case study of a resort, uh, spa, hot tub That you had been to, apparently. That I'd been to, yes. yes. You spoke um, very, uh, very uh, effusively about about it. It's a great place. If you're ever in Santa Fe, this is the place you should go. They managed to pull off sort of new agey stuff without it feeling new agey, right? It was very peaceful, lovely place, great restaurant, great massages, although I'm not a massage guy. My wife and children love them. <laughs> and a great little hot- hotel with these sort of individual units that are very nice up in the hills above Santa Fe. Anyways, we, we I was able to look at their review corpus going back to two, almost 2000. And it was just fascinating because Yelp is always claiming that it's Google causing their problems. And when you look at the reality of reviews, it was quite clear that Yelp never scaled as much as anybody else that was doing reviews. That Yelp never developed alternative ways of making money and using reviews as a feature as opposed to a product. They always use reviews as a product. Everybody else sort of used them as a feature, leverage those to become successful, whether that was OpenTable or TripAdvisor or Google or any of the others. And so it just, it's a lens on this whole question of Google's antitrust. It's one way of looking at it, right? The problem in the discussion about Google is you end up simplifying it too much. Google is a monopoly. Therefore, when this problem occurred, they must have been behaving badly. Therefore, Google's bad and we have to punish them is the argument. And it's not a good argument. So I, I addressed all those things in the article. And it's just interesting to me that largely conclusion, Yelp just never, ever really broke out the way everybody else did. And you need to in the Internet to be successful. Well, you, you could you could make the argument that Yelp's product is advertising and they've used reviews as a way to get consumer eyeballs to the site. I mean, that's been their sort of strategy until pretty recently. Right. But they never had the scale to make that work because advertising that Google and Facebook do is at such scale that they can drive the marginal cost. They have no cost to an ad. Yelp has huge costs to an ad because they have such an infrastructure to sell it and such limited ability to deliver it. And it's not that well targeted. So ad, they never had the scale to succeed at that. And it becomes obvious when you look at this that that's the case. So you, you could argue that, just they've never done it. And they can't really compete with the scale of Google and Facebook on that front. And I think this actually you, you gets think- partly at the crux of Yelp's entire business problem, which is they see reviews as their product, and yet their customers are actually small businesses. Um, and so they're, they're constantly 
in the you know trying to play middleman between their customers and the people they depend on to make their entire business model function and i suppose that that's you know somewhat the case with with plenty of marketplaces but it's rare i think to see for example you know ebay merchants getting up in arms about ebay policies or amazon merchants you know up in arms about amazon policies to anywhere near the same level uh that uh, yelps advertisers or would-be advertisers uh feel antagonistic towards them so um, I think that if Mike, you're, it was a really great piece. As I said on Twitter, I think it's one of your your best, most engaging pieces ever. Um, I think really highlights uh, a number of trends. You know, sort of the last. De- I, I feel like it's it's almost like the last decade of our entire careers c- condensed into one post. Um, and, right. And, and that's right. It took a long time to write that see, post. A lot of conversation. You know, you see, well, you see the and, you and, see the sort of Facebook giving up on local too early uh, story. You yeah. see the you know the rise of Google in local story, um, and you see the rise of transactions as a critical central feature of local with, yeah. with Open Table. So I thought it was just a brilliant post and, um, and and illuminating for a lot of reasons beyond just the the Yelp lens. Well, it's it's really a companion to the one that came before that about about Google and how Google came to dominate. It's 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 another side of that story. So both of those were terrific. Uh, and posts. and in showing multiple sides, it reflects the starts to reflect some of the facets of this many uh, cuts to the diamond. It's not a simple question, and it requires much more thought than most people give it. Well, this is this is the central problem I think with the 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 antitrust uh, position is that. You know, a lot of the things that Google has done, it has done um, well and right without, uh, you know, intervening in an anti-competitive way in the market. I mean, we can we can point to things that Google maybe has done that it, that are anti-competitive, but but most of what they have done has really been pretty effective. Obviously, and the reviews context is an is an example of that. But this is after many false starts. Google yeah. Plus, the original yeah. problems they had with Google Places, right? It wasn't like Google just did this from the get-go. They had to fail three times or twice, however many, how you count it, including their Yelp acquisition offers. So maybe that's three. Um, maybe it's four if you count the GAD acquisition. I don't know. There's a lot of ways to count it. They failed a lot before they hit a successful. So, so you're saying there's still, they could afford you're to saying there's still a chance for Facebook then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Facebook came up with a better better idea. They realized they didn't need reviews to convince businesses to look at Facebook. They were looking. And then Facebook reduced visibility of all business posts, thereby forcing them to boost their posts. They don't need reviews to get them to pay attention. Well, yeah, They're getting money regardless. Right. So a that's, brilliant idea. Yeah. In quotes. <laughs> Um, so, so let's, let's move on to, uh, to, to, uh, to the, to the remaining sort of two items, which are Google, Google related. So this week, Google held its developer conference, which, uh, concluded yesterday, I believe. I only went to the portion of the first, first day. And there was just a ton of stuff that they, that they announced. You know, we can't, we can't capture all of that here. But what I was, what I was really struck by, I wrote about three things, uh, in the, in the newsletter on, um, Wednesday. I, I wrote about uh, uh, artificial intelligence and their deeper and deeper language understanding and how that's kind of behind a lot of their products. Um, I also wrote about their their integration, their deeper integration of uh, augmented reality 
live view into into local search they're exp they sort of previewed that a couple of years ago and now they're introducing it they're going to do it indoors and in transit stations and they're also going to make it possible to scan the street and you know get information on businesses along around the street sort of a you know a, a realization of what the layer browser more than a decade ago wanted to do uh, and then the third item was the uh, shopping graph um, maybe Mike, you want to jump in on the shopping graph. The shopping graph is interesting. It's mostly, a, I think, a marketing pack repackaging of what they've been doing. Uh, clearly, one big three trends at Google is things around images, in local images, transactions, and granularity, and more detail about entities. Right. And they've been trying to collect this for, particularly in the products. They bought Pointy. They opened up the Merchant Center. All these things. They opened up Post to products. All these things to get products. And so this is sort of a repackaging of that. The fact that, and they've been wanting to do this since the days of Frugal in two thousand and eight, uh, where but or it wasn't earlier. possible earlier. Yeah. Wasn't possible then because there wasn't a Shopify then, and merchants weren't that well organized. And, but now Google has achieved real time, almost near real time inventory information, which is amazing with 24 billion items, however many they said they had. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Well, and I think that's one of their key differentiators versus Amazon or their attempts uh, to, to differentiate from Amazon is this online, offline, real time inventory thing. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, um, it'll be interesting to see if they can penetrate the small business market more with, with with pointy than they have already. Right. The one thing I, I, I think I saw in this was a simplified Shopify interface. And David has mentioned in the past that the interface has been quite That's right. There's a number of, of requirements to get into Google Merchant Center, such as a privacy policy and shipping information. And there's a whole series of things uh, that that Merchant Center requires. And it seems to me that Shopify could be doing a better job of automating the sort of creation and uh, submission of those policies to Google Merchant Center. Um, even myself as a relatively sophisticated marketer uh, trying to help a small business who is a new Shopify merchant get set up in, in, in Google Merchant Center um, was pretty pretty overwhelming. It took three, three efforts, essentially three back and forths uh, before the policies got approved. Uh, and this is just for a guy, you know, who was selling uh, essentially a sort of custom custom run printed artwork uh, through his Shopify store, not a not a complicated product by any means. So, um, I, I think that I, I'm hopeful that this um, this initiative has real momentum from both Shopify and Google to to streamline that process. It should be as easy as it is to get on GMB, uh, in my opinion, to get to get into Google Merchant Center. And right now, at least, it doesn't seem to me to be that way. Ultimately, I, when, ultimately, it'll probably become that way. I mean, I would right. go ahead, Mike. I, I was just going to say that this. Google inserting themselves in the sales process at this point where people are looking to discover inventory, where it is, where they can buy it, is the perfect Google Play. It doesn't require any inventory, doesn't require any delivery service, doesn't require any customer service. They're able to insert themselves in the midst of millions of transactions successfully. So I think in that sense, it's a brilliant play. And the fact that it got elevated to the name of the shopping graph indicates that they think they've got it nailed. Well, I mean, I think they still they still lack. I mean, I think there's still some UI issues for Google and user experience issues that. Yeah, that, but those that, are from their point of view. That's just you know UI and UX never been their strong point. That's yeah. just sort of they'll figure it out someday. They think they have the fundamentals figured out. 
Yeah, I, I, but I, I do think that the, the, the noise, there's, there's still too much noise. I mean, if you go into Google Shopping, you've got a, you know, you've got a sort of a structured presentation, but there's still sort of too much noise in Google search to make it a true Amazon competitor in a certain sense, because Amazon is so, so intuitive, structured, it's all there, people are familiar with it. But, um, <clears throat> uh, let's just talk for a second about Shopify, right? And how Shopify is really now in an incredible position as the sort of distribution vehicle for all of these different platforms uh, for for small business customers. I mean, they have quietly sort of built this empire of of distribution, and they're they're really at the center at the center of Google. That. Said one point seven million businesses were you you're using Shopify at the moment. Which is up 70% year over year according to Shopify's annual report, which we covered uh, right. last week. So, um, I, I, Greg, I agree with you that Shopify is clearly the, you know, clearly the, the lead distributor uh, for SMBs. Um, I still think that both Square and Squarespace are in really good positions. Uh, Square is a result of its sort of um, historical success with an offline point of sale um, and now uh, pairing that with a really a pretty good website product uh, through their Weebly acquisition. Um, and Squarespace, I think for, um, what would I say, more more experiential local brands, I think is, is in a really good spot. And then also they obviously just acquired Talk and they're apparently going to a direct listing uh, to go public here shortly. So I, you know, I, I think that there, I think, all three companies have executed fairly well in their own sort of lanes with the businesses that they've done the best with. And I think all three of them are, you know, Google is Google is likely to partner with the other two uh, as well, um, given that they all need to team up against Amazon. So. Yeah. So um, just a final another final comment about about uh, I.O. Uh, we can talk at length about it, but just. Um, the 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 thing that mesmerized and kind of impressed me and, and you know i'm not a, a phd in natural language processing or anything is just just the sophistication now of google's um algorithms it's 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 you know it's language uh, understanding is just getting so sophisticated and their capabilities just and this was the intention of the presentation, but seemed to me to just so far outstrip all of their competitors. Uh, it, it's 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 just really kind of um, staggering to me the the kinds of things that they're doing. You know, the in the area of image recognition, where you can upload a screenshot and they'll grab a logo off two percent of the screenshot and tell you what model it is or what brand it is. Shows you how they're tying that together with the graph too. The shopping graph and all the other graphs. Like, in other words, you you upload a screenshot. Somebody stand there with a pair of Nikes. They know which model it is. They tell you which local stores it's at. It's quite a, quite impressive. I agree. It it really is. So, um, uh, uh, the final sort of item today is is uh, Google finally opening uh, a retail store in New York. I mean, they had flirted with this over the past several years. They were going to open a store in Chicago. I believe they had talked about New York before. They've done some pop-up stores. They've done store within a store, um, but they've never had a dedicated retail sort of flagship as this store seems to be. And it's it's almost exactly 20 years after the first Apple store opened in Virginia. So what are your thoughts on well, that? Well, I was just going to say, moving from position of 
essentially unrivaled strength in NLP and machine learning to one of unrivaled weakness uh, in terms of, of <laughs> physical presence and um, historical rec historical track record of customer support anyway uh, for Google. And, and the three of us were, were chatting offline about um, potentially what a, what a missed opportunity this has been for Google, um, not just to sell hardware devices, which I've never owned a Google Pixel, but I know plenty of people who have and have been fairly happy with it. So it seems like they've, they've done a pretty good job on the hardware front, um, but they've missed the opportunity to, to scale that beyond the consumer into the business market. Uh, and, and I think anyway, it's been a missed opportunity for them uh, to really get, you know, they've done some of these get your business online uh, seminars, but I feel like it's a, it's a real place for them where they could have packaged a sort of business connectivity uh, hardware offering with a marketing support genius bar in a really cool experience. Um, if if someone were, if that was if that was an area that leadership at Google actually wanted to invest in, and I have a feeling that this, um, I, I I would predict that Google retail actually begins and ends in you know New York and maybe a, a couple of other cities um, because they're going to realize that it doesn't scale very well and it's not something they do particularly well. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, I've been wrong on Google predictions before. I've owed Mike many beers uh, over the years, but um, it doesn't seem like an area of, of historical investment for them. And I'm not sure they see it as critical to their long-term long success in the same way that Apple does. One thing I noticed, one way I thing I noticed about this store is that it's being placed in their uh, Chelsea uh, building where they have thousands and thousands of employees. That makes me think that it's as much about giving those employees an opportunity to experience the real world, which Google has, has a gap at, as it is about the consumer. And if they use it for that, that might be very valuable to them. And they might stay at that, even if it's not successful well, that's, as a pure retail strategy. It's, it's kind of a face-saving move in that regard too, because they can they can use it in that context and not go beyond that and and it serves a purpose for their employees. I mean it's kind of like the Google stores on their campus or they have they have one or two like that retail stores. I, I totally agree, David. I mean years ago this was a conversation I had with somebody about how Google could really, you know, before really they had hardware, how Google could really set up a genius bar like educational uh, offering for small businesses to learn about Google products, to learn about Google ads. I mean, they used to do those Google U seminars. I remember, you know, what feels like 30 years ago, but not quite that long, uh, Sheryl Sandberg standing up and introducing Google AdWords and likening it to yellow pages, you know, in front of a small business audience. Um, and then they went off and separated the groups into beginners and more advanced. And and you could you, if you truly had the scale that an Apple does, you know, which is a lot, um, you know, you could have a place where people could come in and get educated, ask ask support questions, and it would be quite a valuable channel for them. But I agree with you that they're probably not going to make that commitment. I'll just I'll just close with one one additional comment, Mike. I think you're sort of you know public face for employees to interface with the real world, you know, that, that kind of comment. Um, it, it's interesting, the timing of this relative to all of the sort of antitrust, anti-big tech sentiment that seems to be out there right now. And um, we don't, I, I mean, I think that there are plenty of app makers that feel uh, 
antagonistic towards Apple uh, as, as the ongoing court case is, is proving that's happening today. But um, I'm not sure that they quite that, that there's quite the same level of resentment among consumers towards Apple as there is towards uh, Google and Facebook. And this may be one way to try to put a slightly more human face on a faceless trillion dollar multinational corporation. So. Well, just just to follow up on that, I apologize for extending things, but just to follow up on that, um, you know, one of the subtexts in all the Google presentations was we understand you don't trust us. We know you don't trust us. So they were just reiterating, you know, privacy, 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 privacy. We never do this. We never sell your data. It, it, we it was, never drive streetcar down the street and pick up all your Wi-Fi part, uh, ports well, right. that are open. We never do that. Right. And so and so that that was interesting to me to observe. And also, you know, that's consistent with the Gmail messages that people are seeing about privacy. Um, and then uh, Apple has a new ad, which I linked to in the newsletter today, which is pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It's a UK ad and it shows somebody uh, moving throughout their day, going into different stores, into into taxis and going home and a progressively larger group of people following the person. And these are the trackers, right? This is the physical manifestation of all the ad tracking. And then the guy presses the um, do not don't allow button and they all disappear. Right. It makes it very, very concrete. It's a very clever ad and um, pretty, pretty hard for uh, fa- the Facebooks and the Googles of the world to to overcome, um, you know, just on an emotional, visceral level. So, all right. With that, everybody have a good rest of your day, weekend, evening, morning, whenever you're watching or listening to this. And thanks again for listening. And go, bla- go Blazers. Um, you- NBA playoffs are kicking off this weekend. And uh, those of us in the Pacific Northwest are pretty excited. So, all right. Blazers are Portland Trail Blazers. Blazers. Yes. 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 All All right. right. A bunch of arsonists. (laughs) All right. Anyway. Arsonists or marijuana enthusiasts. All right. Thanks for joining David, Mike, and Greg. To stay on top of the latest developments in local, subscribe to our newsletter at nearmedia.co. We'll see you next week.